0: hey hey welcome back to chew the bible it's ten thirty five in the morning on july eighteenth twenty twenty two we're in the book of isaiah still chapter sixty three so much for me uh <laughs> finishing out last night i was knocked out after a while. Before I knew it, these Bibles were looking at me. <laughs> and so here we are. I enjoyed sleeping in, taking some rest, and uh, here we go. Isaiah chapter 63. Lord's Day of Vengeance. Who is this coming from Edom? Or I like to say the Reds. The descendants of Esau. Who is this coming from Edom? In crimson. That's funny that they said the crimson. Crimson. Stained garments. They had on Alabama. Crimson tied jerseys. From Bozrah. This one who is splendid in his apparel, striding in his formidable might. It is I proclaiming vindication powerful to save. Why are your clothes red and your garments like one who treads a winepress? Good question. I trampled the winepress alone and no one from the nations was with me. I trampled them in my anger and ground them underfoot in my fury. Their blood spattered my garments and all my clothes were stained for I planned the day of vengeance and the year of my retribution. My bad. The year of my redemption came. Or down here in the notes, it says the blood retribution. That's why I said retribution. My bad. All right. I write these little notes in my Bible, and sometimes I actually accidentally read the notes rather than the actual words in black. Verse five. I looked, I looked, but there was no one to help, and I was amazed that no one assisted. So my arm accomplished victory for me, and my wrath assisted me. I crushed nations in my anger. I made them drunk with my wrath and poured out their blood on the ground. Here's the next heading. It says, Remembrance of Grace. Verse seven. I will make known I will make, make known the Lord's faithful love and the Lord's praiseworthy acts because of all the Lord has done for us, even the many good things he has done for the house of Israel, which he did for them based on his compassion and the abundance of his faithful love. He said, they are indeed my people, children who will not be disloyal. And he became their savior. In all their suffering, he suffered, and the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them because of his love and compassion. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the past. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he became their enemy and fought against them. It's nothing like having the Lord as your enemy. That's the last thing I want. That's the the last thing I want in this world. I could have... My mama could be my enemy. My brother could be my enemy. Uh, Cousins. Yeah, other family members. Even my own grandma. My kids. Friends. So-called friends could be my enemies. (laughs) The last thing I want is God to be my enemy. Yeah, verse 10 again. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. Then he remembered the days of the past, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit among the flock? He made his glorious strength available at the right hand of Moses, divided the water before them to make an eternal name for himself and led them through the depths like a horse in the wilderness so that they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people this way to make a glorious name for yourself. Israel's Prayer. Oh, let me go back. Verse 13 and led them. No, let's go back to verse 12. He made his glorious strength available at the right hand of Moses, divided the water before them to make an eternal name for himself. And led them through the depths like a horse in the wilderness so that they did not stumble like cattle that go down into the valley. The spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people this way to make a glorious name for yourself. It's like God took them the hard way, not the easy way. For his glory. Israel's prayer. Have you ever felt like a time in your life where you... Didn't I don't know if y'all can relate to this? But there's been times in my life where I was in I was in control of you know making poor choices, right? Good choices, poor choices, you know, whatever. But a lot of times, at the same time, I felt like I wasn't in control. It's hard to describe, like almost these circumstances were coming into my life and I was just reacting. And it's as though God knew how I was going to react in those situations. Like, he already knows me. He knows how I think, how I talk, how I react to things, and how I was going to react. And because of that, almost as though I didn't have control, it's hard to describe, like what I'm trying to say. <sighs> like, people love to say oh i would never do that oh I would never do that i do or they'd be like that person crazy what's wrong with him what's wrong with her and it's like you might think you wouldn't act a certain way let's let's see let's see yeah certain things happen in your life let's see if you had job situation how you would act all that stuff that happened to job how you would react to it you might think you would be cool not? Yeah, it's easy to look at people doing certain things and act like you would never do that, right? But it's nothing but the grace of God keeping you sane, keeping you on the right track, on the narrow path. It's nothing but the grace of God. And even when you veer off the path, for those of us who've given our life to Christ, who have accepted him as our Lord and Savior... And you know that he is the only source of our salvation, right? And we have a relationship with him. Not religion, a relationship. It's almost as though, yeah. Sometimes it feels like, I don't know, for me personally, God had a plan that I didn't understand at the time. And he knew I would even react negatively the way I did. That would be a fun exercise to go back to David and just read those stories about David's life and just take the example of Bathsheba and that temptation that was in front of him. And then the cover up crime of having Uriah killed. My God already knew all that was going to happen with David. He knew how David was going to act in those situations, and all the so love the most holiest people in the world we'll be like, I would never do what David did. Like David, I'll never do that. I'll never cheat on my spouse. I'll never have somebody murdered. I never do. That. It's like it's nothing but the grace of God. You didn't. You don't do those things. Anyway, he might not murder him physically. We might murder him with your tongue. It's the same thing. Um, anyway, when I say tongue, I mean like with your words, things we say behind people's backs, the slander that we we cast. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about this. Let's keep on Israel's prayer. Verse 15. Look down from heaven and see from your lofty home, holy and beautiful. Where is your zeal and your might? Your yearning and your compassion are withheld from me. Yet you are our father, even though Abraham does not know us and Israel doesn't recognize us. You, Lord, are our father. Your name is our redeemer from ancient times. Why, Lord, do you make us stray from your ways? You harden our hearts so we do not fear you. turn because of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people had a possession for a little while, but our enemies have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those you never ruled, like those who did not bear your name. Let's see what Mr. Tony, Tony, Tony has to say. Righty, righty, righty. Edom serves <clears throat> as an example of what will happen to the nations that reject Christ. Bozra was one of its capital cities. See Numbers chapter 20 verse 14 through 21 for insight into this people's, this people group's cruelty. The nations God will judge at Christ's return are pictured metaphorically as trampled in God's wine press until they are crushed. Indeed, when the sins of the nations are ripe, they will be judged in the winepress of God's wrath. See Revelation chapter 14 verse 19. Now is the day of repentance. Now is the time for second chances. In that day, there will be no second chances, and there will be no escape. Mm. Here, the focus shifts dramatically to the declarations of God's people as they remember the many good things he has done for the house of Israel. The angel of his presence saved them, most notably in the Exodus under Moses. But since that was true, the exiles in Babylon might ask, why are we in this mess in Babylon? Isaiah answers on God's behalf. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, a statement that Paul echoes in Ephesians 4.30. Therefore, God fought against them. When God came to Moses in the burning bush, he said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them. See Exodus chapter three, verse seven and eight. He had done it before he would do it again. They asked for deliverance, even though they had to admit with embarrassment that they were sinful, that their ancestors, Abraham and Israel, and uh, or Jacob, would not recognize them. That's quite a statement considering that what a deceiver Jacob was. Mm-hmm. Until God straightened out his act, God's people had gotten so bad that they had become like Pharaoh who rejected God's demands to let his people go and harden his own heart. Mm. Eventually, God confirmed Pharaoh's choice and hardened his heart too. The people of Israel and Judah rejected the Lord repeatedly. No matter how many times God urged them through his prophets to repent, they pressed on in their idolatry. So he hardened their hearts and judged them through the nations that conquered them. Mm. This is a hard part about reading this scripture is like, I don't know about hardening our heart repeatedly, <sighs> it's like sometimes I like i don't know in my own life. it's like you don't want to harden your heart you It's not your intention I don't know, but you find yourself doing it out of anger, out of like sadness. I don't know, it's hard, yeah. Lord, I just thank you for this word. Thank you that you're a good father, you're a gracious father. Help us not harden our hearts like the children of Israel. Help us to repent and turn to you, Lord. Show us what repentance means. Show us what that really, really means, Lord. And uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. I pray as we close out finishing up the rest of the book of Isaiah that she continue to speak to our hearts and our minds and transform the way we think. I pray for favor as I go to this car dealership to get my car worked on. Just thank you, Lord. You're a good father, you're a gracious father, you're a kind father. Order my steps and I pray against all fear, all anxiety, all worry. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray, amen.